This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. GroupQuest is sponsored by Doghouse Systems. Visit them at doghousesystems.com for great computers meant for gamers, built by gamers, for gamers. Upgrade your gear at doghousesystems.com and use the code Azeroth to get a $25 Jinx gift card with every purchase. Welcome to Group Quest, the new roundtable podcast from all things Azeroth, your World of Warcraft podcast. Join Medros as he gathers a strong group of voices from around the community to tackle the hottest topics of the month. And now, your host, Medros. Happy episode of the Group Quest podcast. I am your host Medros, and with me I have a a, a good good group of people. We're going to talk a little bit about this game that we all love called World of Warcraft, and of course the latest news of the week. So first with me, I want to welcome. Well, I want to welcome back Corendos. How you doing, Corendos? Doing all right. Glad to be back, Medros. Glad to have you here. Next, we have a person who was supposed to be here last week, but couldn't make it. Welcome back. Welcome to the show, Will and Dune. Hi, how you doing? Happy to be here. Sorry about last week. I apologize. Well, we're just happy you can make it this week. And we have regular guests, Chris Blatt. Yellow. And Stormy. Hello. All right. Uh, so we do have some news to talk about this week. It should be a very good episode, I hope. And... Uh, well, we'll see how long we can we go for for on this episode. Uh, the first thing I want to uh, to talk about was Blizzard asking PayPal to stop letting gold sellers use their accounts to break the terms of terms of use. Does anybody have any thoughts on Blizzard's game plan with that? Do you guys think they actually have a, a, a hope in uh, hope in hell of actually succeeding with this plan? I've I'm not sure if they have thoughts. You go first. Uh, I was simply going to say I'm not sure if they have a, a hope of it of working, but at this point, it seems like PayPal has become almost the kicking bag for – well, not the issue of the kicking bag, but a, a go-to for people wanting uh, to do just this. And I mean, look, the whole thing with WikiLeaks and, and you know, companies continuously go to them to say, hey, look, you know, we're putting it on you to now police the illegal activity or at least what we feel is illegal activity on our product. That's it. Sorry to say. Go ahead. Uh, I've got oh. two things that come to mind. <laughs> it, anyone else want to go first? Go oh, I'll second. let you go first, then I'll go. <laughs> all right. Uh, two quick things. First of all, why did it take this many years for Blizzard to think of this as an idea? Uh, if, you, if you see all the traffic going through PayPal, why not deal with PayPal? It's a very convenient means of Money transactions, especially if you're someone younger who may or may not have a credit card, 
Um, so it works out pretty well that way for people who are making those transactions. So it makes sense for Blizzard to go after PayPal for this. And that, that's not exactly the right terminology. They're not going after PayPal. They're asking PayPal to do something. Um, so PayPal isn't exactly getting calls from lawyers. My understanding is with, with them saying, well, you better do this or else we're going to. No, I don't think that's the way it is. Um, but the other thing is I'm very surprised that PayPal is giving the people who are reported a chance to prove their innocence before their accounts get frozen. Usually when you hear about financial difficulties with PayPal, they just think something about your account looks suspicious, so they freeze the account right away. Any money that was in there, you can't get it. It's really difficult to get it unfrozen. Uh, a lot of people just assume that it's lost forever. So this seems like PayPal's being much more lenient than they usually are. Would you say lenient or much tougher in a way? Are they kind of almost fighting for their customers by doing that instead of just mm. bowing down to what Blizzard's asking for? I mean, I know it's, it's, it's basically semantics at that point, but... Yeah, yeah it, it depends. It would depend on whose side you're on. If I was doing a lot of transactions through PayPal and Blizzard for some reason thought I was some of my transactions were gold selling, I would greatly appreciate the chance to prove my innocence before my account gets frozen. So I, I see that side of the argument. Uh, you make a very good point. Um, but on the other hand, this is very different from what they usually do when they see any sp suspicious activity. See, the way I see it, it's more of a double-edged sword. I mean, there are people who honestly use it basically to help pay for the WoW month per month. I mean... Let's face it, we all can't, we might not all be able to go to the nearest uh, electronics depot, get ourselves a game type card or whatnot. But uh, a, lot, a lot of these, from what I'm reeling, is basically the, the real money trading, basically, paying stuff for in game items, which is obviously against the TOS. And which is, which is something that should be taken care of. Problem is, in a way, PayPal's easy. If you've ever made a PayPal account, it's quite easy to make. And I mean, even with such an easy service like that, you're going to have people trying to twist the system and stuff like that. It's in in the whole in the whole uh, set of things you've got. You're going to need more eyes, more people actually checking on, like what exactly is going on, and basically stopping them. It's am I making any sense here? Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> right now I'm, I'm just kind of yeah. thinking it's just like, it's just, I mean, you can say you're going to do a lot of things. And I mean, like, I'm, I'm reading the article right now that pretty much uh, um, PayPal pretty much uh, is trying to connect, like trying to get a hold of all these people and basically stop them. And I mean, let's face it, you've got hundreds, perhaps thousands of people trying to sell uh, in in game items and stuff like that. I mean, it's. I guess it, I mean it really depends on how large of an issue you look at it as being. Exactly. I mean, there there's so many ways to look at it. I mean, you can look at the angle of you know Blizzard doesn't want people violating their terms of service, just like any company doesn't want to. But that almost minimizes it. I mean, put it to you this way: I actually have started getting almost as much fake wow 
spam in my work email address. And when I say my work, I mean like my actual company's email address, not even one I use, the main inbox for my company, as I do the, you know, Canadian pharmacy, no offense uh, to Canadians, but the Canadian pharmacy ones and the uh, Russian bride ones. I mean, it, it's it, the scams are, are global at this point. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's something that Blizzard really needs. I mean, it, they they have a lot of manpower dedicated to fighting this. So I can see them trying to make every. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, having worked for a Canadian pharmacy, I can tell you, uh, no legitimate pharmacy would send those. So yeah, there's no. I'm sure it's not scams. right. I know. I of course I know. I know. I just it's so funny that every single one of them says, uh, you know, whatever it is, nine ninety nine Viagra from you know from this Canadian pharmacy. But I know they're not from a Canadian pharmacy. It's just funny that they all say that. Yeah, mine's I mean, at Mexican, Mexican pharmacy. Are you saying these pills aren't legit? <laughs> you might want to check the expiration date on them. Don't believe him. He's being a goof. <laughs> Shocking. Shocking information. <laughs> I'm shocked by this information, Stormy. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I am shocked that you are shocked and that Stormy is saying you, you're not shocked. Oh, Anyways. So but, 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 then, but then again, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm also, with the real money trading, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at it at a side glance here. What's that mean for loot cards for in the game? Because not a whole lot of people, like, I know there are a few sites out there that actually, well, they, I mean, they legitimately buy the cards themselves. I'm just trying to piece together something here. I think they do look at, uh, no, you, you make a valid argument. I think they look, and I don't, I don't know the exact verbiage on the terms of service in this regard, but I know they look at the loot cards as a different entity simply because the loot cards do not provide anything that increases a player's ability to play the game. It doesn't give you an advantage over another player because you have Papa Hummel's pet biscuits or you have, you know, a particular pet, even the mounts. You know, some people could theoretically make an argument for that, but it really isn't. The only advantage it gives you is perhaps it's easier for you to get to the, um, the mount and uh, a companion pet achievements. You know, you can buy the loot cards, you can buy those out-of-game pets or mounts to get the achievement quicker, but it doesn't actually make you a better player. You know, you, if you buy a tremendous amount of gold, you can buy up your gear faster than somebody else could earn it in-game, you know, working for it in-game. And that they see as a, a true advantage that needs to be stopped. So, I, I, again, I don't know the exact verbiage on the terms of service in that regard, but I am 99% certain that they do kind of separate that because it's purely not essentially vanity items at that point that's why they allow like wow tcg loot i don't know if it's an officially sponsored blizzard site per se but they know it exists they have no problem with it and wow tcg loot does sell loot cards from the tcg game but loot cards are are very different from in-game gold in-game armor, weapons, and so on. Exactly. They're right. very, and very that, different. That's, right. That's the argument I was trying to make. I'm, I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear, but that's, they do make that distinction. Well, I shouldn't say well themselves. Blizzard themselves makes that distinction. I don't know where. I know it's been said at some point. Honestly, I don't know where, but I know they have made that distinction. I think the thing here is it, there's the digital properties and then there's the physical properties. And 
those loot cards, until you redeem them, they are a physical property. You can hold them in your hand. You can collect them. You can do whatever with them. You can burn them if you want to. I don't recommend that. They smell horrible. But <laughs> Especially those <laughs> foil ones. Woo! Oh, um, <laughs> the, the digital even properties. The, the digital properties are under different regulations because a lot of those do affect how well you can play the game. If you have more money available to you, well, then you can go on the auction house, buy a bunch of gear that's really high item levels and get into heroics faster. Sandbox Tiger, not going to do that for you. Correct. But you'll look awesome, which could be more important. Well, yeah, yeah there, there, there is some of that awesome factor into it. I mean, I've actually seen on ER like some guy trying to sell one of the level 40 uh, spectral tiger mounts for like 1 million gold. I'm not kidding. 1 million gold. You saw that on, on ER? ER, yeah. The, um, Did he put his pinky up to his lips when, when he said 1 million gold? Just out of curiosity. I, I don't know. I could actually log on now to see if he's still trying to sell the sucker. Okay, but he couldn't <laughs> actually get a, a million gold. Nobody can have a million gold. I don't even character. think. I don't even think Aliakta S and their various guilds could get that much. What is the gold cap? Two hundred forty-one thousand. Like I was going to say two hundred forty something. Right. Uh, I believe the. The plan is to increase that at some point in the future. Um, I don't know what they would be increasing it to, though. Yeah, actually, somebody's just talking. I think one of the Blizzard uh, devs was just talking about that. The reason why it was that number, it was a an actual programming number. limitation, right? Yeah. yeah, it was an actual limitation of the database. But I mean, even like what two hundred thousand gold? That's still quite a bit. <laughs> True. I mean, in the end, only very, very precious items like the Spectral Tiger could even have a hope of, of fetching that much gold. Brezha Priest in the chat is saying gold cap was removed in 4.0.1. Okay, my apologies. I was not aware. Of, I, I'd heard but, that but they then, were planning to, but I hadn't, no, hadn't heard that it had, had lifted. But then now Hastur is saying the gold cap, gold cap was upped but not removed. So th there is debate in the chat room as to what it is. So, yay, we're discussing news and don't know anything. We're going to throw uh, a polearm and an axe into the chat room and let them fight it out. And whoever escapes the chat room, uh, we will go with what they say. Or, or perhaps there is epic music from that one episode of Star Trek. Or perhaps where, I could just answer the question. Band. Would you like me to just answer the question instead? Uh, I was actually looking forward to the gladiator battle in the chat room. But yes, oh, go ahead, please. Okay, well, no, we can have the gladiator battle in the chat room. That's fine. The uh, <laughs> I wish I could pull up the soundbite from uh, Cable Guy right now. <laughs> as Bray as Bray Priest just said, uh, the cap is now nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine gold ninety nine silver and ninety nine copper. Did uh, that is funny. So basically, That's... that person could hypothetically sell their loot their their speckled tiger for one million gold minus one copper. One copper why... was postage. And this is why I'm glad that Blizzard doesn't follow CCP's rules for EVE Online, basically allowing to transfer your in-game gold to actual real money. <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't get much for it, though. That's true, too. 
I mean, the, I, the ease of getting gold right now, I, I could probably sell my my twenty five thousand gold right now for twenty bucks. I'm very much hoping they don't get to that because there's already enough. Uh, there, there's already too many congressmen and senators who are pushing for the taxation of in-game currency, uh, which is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. And I don't want them having any more uh, fodder to add to the argument. That's bad enough that they there was already somebody you know, writing up. You know how do we how do we uh, put a value on the magical sword that drops off of a dead ogre? You know what what do we tax the player on when they pick up that magical sword? I forget where I read that, but I was I was absolutely disgusted that it's even being discussed. I don't know how can you yeah, tax zeros can... and ones? I yeah, do not know. Do that I, for a game. I uh, did, that's, that is a proposal. Purchases. I mean, how can you tax? Some, I buy something from Amazon. Uh, how can they tax that? Mm-hmm. You know, well, in California, you're supposed to disclose how much you've purchased from Amazon, so, and then just pay the taxes on that when you pay your um, taxes at the end of the year. And yeah. I'm absolutely certain that the majority of Californians are completely honest in what they have purchased from Amazon every year. Of course, because there's no one who's dishonest in California. <laughs> no, of course not. No, no, no. And not at all. of course, they, they don't want the governor to uh, have to visit them. He's no longer in office, is he? Thought he'd, uh, thought he'd moved was, on. Has, I know his term was ending. Has it ended yet? I thought he'd been, has he been terminated. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe state law I've has terminated him as of last, uh, last election. Yes, that, uh, I don't know who just said it, but I was about to say, yeah, has he walked out of the governatorial house and said, I'll be back? <laughs> Probably not. Okay. Well, he might have. He, he, he may not be that creative. Um, but yeah, like when I, like, I occasionally will have stuff sent uh, for me to other people. And when I have it sent to California addresses, there's taxes applied to that. So it's a, a one in zero it's not really, you know, even even like a a song. Like when I when I purchase the uh, the comicsology Curse of the Worgen, I get taxed on that. That's what that's ones and zeros. Okay, let, let's have this compromise. We'll leave the <laughs> zeros untaxed. We'll only tax the ones. I would go along with that just to see the look on the faces <laughs> of the congressmen and senators as that was being proposed to them, who have no idea what a one or zero means in these terms. I would absolutely love to just see the look on their faces. No, that wouldn't be that interesting because they just smile and nod and say, oh, that's a great idea. And then <laughs> they vote it into law and tax accountants would be staring at this saying, what do we do now? But of course, the value of all of the T-shirts of the world that say there are only uh, 10 types of people on the planet, those who can rebinary and those who can't. Oh, Jen, uh-huh, yeah, that, yes, they would, they would, they would skyrocket. Jen in the chat just said they would have to write the law in binary. Coretta, you you did some research on your realm, uh, Earthen Ring, um, for the tiger and the vial of sands. Correct. And what are the what are the numbers on those two items? All right, for the vial of the sands, you can buy it from one from well, I, there's only one seller right now selling it for a. Uh, a bid of 55,000 gold and a buyout of 60,000. Whereas, if you're looking for the reins of the Swiss Spectral Tiger, 
you have a bid price of 569,999 gold and a buyout of 600,000. Wow. That's crazy. See, what's interesting is I would actually go for the violence. free. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. And now the uh, auto-tune remix of the Slap Chop is stuck in my head. Thank you. I don't know how that got into my head from that, what you said with the ShamWow, but yes. But I was about to say is the vial of the sands. I don't know for me. I would actually rather have that than the spectral tiger. I just could be nuts. But <laughs> hmm. well, if you're going to use it, like for actual like questing and going from place to place, yeah, the vial of the sands is much better. If you are going to AFK in the middle of stormwind, definitely the spectral tiger. I'm actually lucky to know to basically know someone who actually has the spectral tiger mount who legitimately got it off the cards. Are you serious? Nice. Yeah, my guild leader, Gracier, actually has it. Oh, wow. Yeah, Gracier was actually on uh, Group Quest uh, a few months back. Uh, I, I'm envious. I, I actually have my uh, I have my Landro's gift box from uh, my collector's edition. I still haven't scratched it to see whether or not I'll get something interesting or not. Which is um, also funny because I also another person I follow on Twitter, I don't know if Medros knows him, uh, Aaron's. He actually won that from the uh, Landros gift box from the collector's edition. Nice, nice. Yeah, I know Aaron's. Um, so let's, uh, let's move on to another topic here. But first, I do want to talk a bit about our sponsor. Um, the, group, the Group Quest podcast is sponsored by Doghouse Systems, computers that you know are going to last you a long time. Visit them at doghousesystems.com for great desktop and laptop systems for gamers starting as low as $1,200. When you buy a new computer and use the code Azeroth, you'll even get a code for $25 towards some great Jinx apparel. Upgrade your gear today at doghousesystems.com and let them know that you heard about them from the All Things Azeroth and Group Quest podcasts. All right, speaking of Jinx, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the new Design a T-Shirt contest. Now, Blizzard and Jinx announced this I believe a couple of days, two or three days ago. And do you guys have any ideas of what you guys would want to put on a, a shirt from Jinx in a WoW theme? You know, I, I actually, I have a few WoW Jinx shirts, but the only thing I, I've, I would love to see is, and it's a sound, it's going to sound silly, but a shirt that does not have a centered and symmetrical design to it. You know, like it, they have the, uh, like the, the hoodie for the Frost Mage where it has the, um, uh, what is it? One of the spells I forget. Kind of off to the left, and, and it kind of goes over the shoulder. I, I know this sounds silly, but I love T-shirts that don't have a symmetrical graphic dead on in the center of the chest. You know, if it just offset that type of thing, I would love to see a shirt like that, just to have a little bit more of an artistic design to it. So, if you had a shirt that maybe followed the rule of thirds, you'd appreciate that much more. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Certainly. Yeah. I'd like to see a. Sorry, you go first. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I'd like to see a shirt that maybe had some Trump Loy going on where it's, it's, it looks like it maybe has like tears and you could see armor underneath or something, or um, well, looks like there's, there's something strapped to your back or something. I, did the background noise just go down? or I didn't hear any change on my end. Okay. Maybe it's just my connection or something. I don't know. But, but something like that, I, I think would be really cool. That would be good because the, I know. I don't know about the other wow, there are the other Jinx shirts, but I know just all the wow ones. The the only thing on the back is the uh, the Jinx logo at the center uh, of the neck, like just below the the neckline. 
right in the center. So it'd be good if they incorporated something on the back. Actually, for Paladin, uh, I'd love to see them put uh, the wings, Avenging Wrath oh, wings on the cool. on the back. That would be epic. Yeah, I would like that. For for and for for Paladin, I, I'd actually like to see a Paladin shirt or something basically sh- looking like you have um, the uh, Ashbringer on your back. That'd be awesome. Oh, that would be cool. How about for a Paladin shirt? One. For a Paladin shirt, you could have a giant Nerf dart sticking out of the back of it. <laughs> With Ghostcrawler's name on the uh, on the nerf on the on the yeah, feather of the nerf dart from from GC with love would yes. be written uh, on the nerf dart. Yes, yeah. that would be brilliant. Thanks. Oh, how cute! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually a uh, quick real life uh, Jinx Wow shirt story. I was in Baltimore for a convention, and I'm walking down the street wearing a Rogue shirt, and I was walking past a line of no less than a few thousand people trying to get into the convention center. And I had to have had at least 10 to 15 people shout, rogues do it from behind as I was walking down the street in Baltimore. <laughs> it's quite entertaining. That's so yeah. typical Baltimore, actually. <laughs> my my uh, co-host on uh, on the All Things Azeroth podcast, Shade, she was initially excited about this contest, then realized that somebody's already stolen her idea, which is an internet dragon um, somebody already stole that design, so yeah, she was she was happy with the contest, but sad that she didn't really have any other ideas she could toss in. So, I would love to see. I don't know if you ever saw the the Jinx shirt, the steampunk Xbox controller or steampunk game controller. If they could fit, like do some kind of like a steampunk, um, what do they call this in uh, Deadmine? Like the shredder, something along those lines, like a steampunk uh, schematic layout of the shredder. In, in Dead Mines, the Goblin Shredders, that would be very interesting. I would like to see that. You know, just to kind of pull it, like, take it slightly further than the game world. Like, not just a set, you know, something def- definitive in WoW, but kind of creative, you know, play with it, toy around with it a little bit. I miss the Shredder from Dead Mines. I really do. Did, did, you knew about the Easter egg in that Shredder, right? The screen that uh, you could see, what was it, Kerrigan from... Uh, yeah. From StarCraft. Yeah, you know, the only reason I know about it is from uh, Total Biscuit on Azeroth Daily. He had, a, he had a, a little Easter egg segment in one of Azeroth Dailies, and he showed that. I was blown away. I actually got that off of WoW Wiki, back when WoW Wiki was actually good. Before it became WoWpedia, basically? Yes, exactly. Exactly, yes. <laughs> All right, uh, moving along, um, we also did hear... Of course, this is unlikely to help many people, but uh, if you are listening to this before uh, Sunday night, uh, the 6th of February, uh, our friends over at Taverncraft are offering a 15% discount all weekend long on any of their products, I believe, including the awesome Morlock Stein or the Stormwind or Iron Forge or eh, Under City or Orgrimmar mugs. Um, and the, the awesome, it's, uh, sorry, it's actually only on, on the Steins, my apologies. Um, so if you use the code 5H7G3T prior to checkout, you'll get 15% off, and that's again until Sunday night. So definitely check that out, and uh, enjoy your Stein if you decide to order one. I would very much one love to have sometime. one of these. Yeah, exactly. Same as, yeah. I, I can assure you the, the, the Murloc Stein is awesome, and drinking out of a Murloc's head is really cool. It doesn't I taste have to fishy to you? 
<laughs> I have to disagree. I think my Tankard of Terror is even better because it doesn't stare back at me. Yes, but does your Tankard of Terror say every time you take a sip of beer out of it? If my, I'm not, insinu- if my I'm not insinuating that Murloc Stein does that, but I'm insinuating I would do that as I flipped the lid of the Stein. I would say as I was taking a sip. If my Tankard of Terror sounded like one of the baby Murlocs, I would not have a problem with that, but the grown ones, no. <laughs> the baby ones, I, I, I'd be wondering what I was drinking. It's like, oh, God, not the baby Murlocs. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the, the episode where I uh, was actually drinking out of my Murloc Stein, every time I uh, took a sip of out, of my, out of my Murloc Stein, I played the sound. Fantastic. No, 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 no. And then one of them runs away and pulls 20 over to say hi to you also. That's the thing. One Murloc cry is not scary. It's the 20 that scare me. (laughs) They're like kindergartners. (laughs) No, seriously. If if you've ever... (laughs) Now he just sounds like he's choking choking a Murloc. Somebody's having fun with the soundboard. A little too much fun, but that's Medros. <laughs> um, kindergartens are very much the same way, but in, instead of actually trying to kill you, what they'll do is one will come over and hug you because they like you, so they're going to, of course, give you a hug. But then the other 29 in the room see this and come over to hug you also. And if you are a grown adult, they'll take you down. Just by pushing <laughs> on your legs. From experience here. <laughs> no fewer what than I, five times in my career, yes. Now, what I thought you were going to say is uh, they're very much like goblins, where one will come up and hug you while the other 29 position themselves behind you for the backstab ambush attack. No, that's <laughs> middle school. Mm, that makes sense, actually. No, you just, you just need one goblin, basically, to hug someone and take all their money. No, That's what I was going to say. Like, who's doing pickpocketing as a distraction? Well, see, they don't need a pickpocket. If they got 30 of you, they just tackle you to the floor, beat you up, and take all your goods anyway. They loot your body at that point. Uh, Dinius is, ju- is suggesting that high school is the one that does the pickpocketing. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Uh, so let's see here. Moving right along. Uh, we do. Oh, let's see here. Um. Chris Blatt, you added this article about Azeroth is a Dyson Sphere. So can you expand on that a bit? Okay. Um, basically, there was a um, 85 human warlock named Dalen, who is also a physics and applied math major, who took a look at uh, the, the world of Warcraft, Azeroth. They looked at um, how fast they were traveling according to a macro they set up. When they flew, I think, from uh, one side of one continent to the other. Then they looked at the scale of the map, and they figured out how large Azeroth was. And it's only got like a radius of eight miles, if I remember correctly. Which is incredibly small, considering that the Earth has a radius of about maybe 4,000. So in order for it to have similar gravity to Earth, because we're assuming that it has similar gravity to Earth... Uh, It would have to have something like a tiny black hole or basically be made up of the same material as a white dwarf star 
inside of it. Um, so we're looking at a, a hollow sphere with something that's incredibly high mass in the middle of it, which as a geek, I'm reading this and I'm just thinking of half the Star Trek episodes I've ever seen. Mm. Um, which I, I thought it was really cool because of that. Yeah, this is a fascinating article, actually. And it kind of ties into all of the uh, hollow Earth conspiracy theorists. Uh, I wonder if they're looking at this and saying, you see, Blizzard knows that it's a hollow Earth, so they put it into the game. Well, that's a different thing. I mean, you, you, I I mean, you can go by in-game data, and then you can go by like other means, like going through like the RPG books and stuff like that, I mean... I mean, uh, Ratchet's supposed to like. I mean, Ratchet's supposed to have like a population of like what twenty twenty thousand or something like that. I could be I could be wrong in numbers, but I mean, like they're huge populations, stuff like that. And like to cross the Barrens would take you at least a week. <laughs> well, this is well, there's two different things here. One of them is this was a very, in, in my opinion, a fun exercise in physics and mathematics as a teacher I'm totally geeking out about this um, but on the other hand Blizzard has come out and said that the world of Azeroth is a bridge there are animals that exist in the lore that you will never see in game um, you go to an area and you see a bunch of predators just milling around what are they going to eat the, that stuff that in the lore the, those prey are there but in the game, it'd just be too much to add everything. So it was a physics exercise based on what we can actually see. But in order for the lore to work, we're understanding that there's a lot more that's out there oh, that yeah. would not be able to fit into the game with the technology we have today. It's very, no, it's, it's very impressive, actually. I, I, I applaud uh, Dalen for his work. It's it's very a uh, very good application of you know, his physics and, and math uh, major. I like that. And actually, something that just kind of not necessarily ties in, but I, I'd have to to figure out where it is. There was a um, I'm trying to think what it was on. I think oh, Current Geek actually show with uh, Tom Merritt and Scott Johnson. Somebody had sent in an article where uh, someone I'm not sure who took maps of different uh, game worlds and overlaid them upon one another to show the scale and the size of each of the of the worlds. Uh, relative to that. the size of the game, the, yeah, it was. I saw, I saw that too. It was. I saw it on a uh, Kotaku actually. It might have been a Kotaku article. Yeah, that's true. It was just. It was fascinating to look at it because half of these maps are places, you know, games I've played, and you know, especially games I played years ago where they felt so massive, and I'm looking at how incredibly tiny they are in reference to to even you know WoW, which was not the biggest one. I forget what was the the biggest one was surprising. It was. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't Lotro. Um, um, was it Eve? Morrowind? Yes, it was Morrowind. Yes, it was Morrowind. No, it wasn't Eve. It, actually, I don't know if they've even included Eve. I'm not sure. But in the, I think it was Morrowind. It, it was ridiculous. The scale of that map was just insane. Yeah, when, when, you look at, when you look at game maps, I mean, they are generally very large. I mean, you want to give anybody uh, lots of uh, ability to uh, to get their get their time filled by your game so they're not having to go to another game. Oh, you know, actually, uh, one that was surprisingly uh, big, I can't remember where it fit in the, in the, uh, the order, but one of the Grand Theft Autos was a huge map, just absolutely enormous map. Compared, and there was a lot of games, you know, MMOs, free, you know, free roaming MMOs that 
were significantly smaller than the Grand Theft Auto map. Hey, you might be I thinking think, four, I think. Truth be told, I would not know. I've never played them. I, I'm not into uh, beating up streetwalker type people. No oh, thanks. same here. It's just I have, <laughs> I have siblings who have the game. That's how uh, I mostly learn. Yeah, closest I ever get to that game is The Simpsons. <laughs> You're talking really quietly. <laughs> yeah, what is uh, it? The closest you ever laughing. get is what? There's a few just... Simpsons games we have for for our PS2. Oh, Simpsons. Okay, yeah, I think I know which one she's talking about there. Yeah, sorry, I, I just kept on coughing, so couldn't speak up louder. Oh, uh, no. understandable, understandable. It is that time of the year. It's that time of year for me every day, almost. <laughs> That's not good. Okay, I just hey. put a link into the chat. Yeah, mine. <laughs> oh, from Giant Bomb. I do not go yeah. here enough. Yet, um, nice, good find. Yeah, see, Wild, they're pretty good. Wild was pretty, uh, pretty good. Yeah, that is that. I'm having a hard time reading it. Paradise is that Grand Theft Auto, the second to largest. Uh, I think so. I think that's uh, Liberty City. I could yeah. be wrong. I have no idea. Like I said, I never played them. There's a link you can click on to get to the original image size. Burnout Paradise is the first one that's larger than WoW, and the one that's slightly larger than that is Just Cause 2. Those are some pretty impressive maps, i got to say. I'd like to see the work that went into actually doing the scaling for it. Because, yeah, I mean, they're actually like listing you know, mile, you know, miles wide and whatnot, and how they determine those figures would be very, uh, very interesting. Because I've actually wondered that, you know, when, we, when you're flying around Azeroth, how fast are you actually flying? Yeah, relatively speaking, you know, like a three ten percent mount in terms of if you were going to put it to miles per hour in terms of perceivable, you know, speed to body yeah. size ratio. If I remember correctly, um, characters run at twelve miles per hour in WoW. If I remember correctly, unless you're a Tarn, and then you at least look like you're running at half a mile per hour. Well, it, it's the same speed for everything. That's why gnomes look like they're so fast. But yes. Um, yeah, I, I I tried playing a Tarn once. I think I got him to level three, and I couldn't handle it anymore. The, it felt like it was well. I mean, and what is that mole around Thunder Bluff? Molgore. Molgore. Yeah. Yeah, it's just yep. so open and so wide, and there's nothing to perceive your speed anyway. That it just it felt like I was moving in slow motion, like I was running through Jello, and uh, I went back to playing my dwarf with his happy little tiny legs running very quickly. And then you go someplace like Howling Fjord and you see the storm giant and you're like, oh, he's walking so slow. Is it, why is the ground shaking so much? Oh, he's here. <laughs> Nightmares of Fell Reavers dancing in my head. I was just about to get uh, <laughs> the Fell Reaver. Hey, guys, why is the ground shaking? What's going on? <laughs> why am I dead? <laughs> the, the best I was part foolish is- enough to try to solo those. Sorry, go ahead. The best part is every now and then, like the first time you hear that boom sound, he's like right on top of you. So you turn around like, oh, how close is he? Oh, he's here. <laughs> Only for you, dear. Only for you. See, what you don't know is she was uh, working in cahoots with the Fell Reavers. She was giving <laughs> them your precise coordinates and uh, paying them in cookies to chase you down and send you to the spirit healer. If she paid me in cookies... I would throw myself at the Fell Reaver. <laughs> <laughs> There's very little in life we won't do for cookies, right? 
I almost beat cookies the, the other day. So I had to make apple crisp instead. I think the crisp turned out better. Mm, just as good. Just as oh. good. There's still- nothing wrong with good warm apple crisp. Oh, but it's just as good cold though. It's just as cold, just a good cold. Cause then you get, then you gotta microwave it and put ice cream on it. Yes, 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 yes. Very good vanilla ice cream. Definitely, definitely. All right, uh, let's move along here. Um, there was a post on the Wow Insider blog from Matt McCurley, who uh, many people who listen to all things Azeroth and Request know has been a, a guest on our shows many times. He wrote up an interesting article about five things Blizzard should implement from other MMOs. Now, I have to admit, I haven't played any of the games that he's mentioned because this is my first MMO that I've played, and the only one I've ever other only other one I've ever played is uh, I beta tested uh, Lord of the Rings Online, early beta tested before it actually was playable in any actual playable fashion, and. Um, there's some really interesting stuff that he mentions. First off, AOE looting from Rift. Engineer only. It should be engineer only. The engineer should have to craft a loot vacuum cleaner. <laughs> uh, Don't they have that in that already? It's like the looterang. <laughs> well, the looterang. The looterang would pull something from a distance. The loot vacuum cleaner, you'd pretty much still have to be really close, but you'd have to target an area with one of those green glowing circles, and you'd suck the loot up from everything in that particular area. Assuming, of course, you were able to loot those particular mobs. Now, let me ask you this. If that engineer was the master looter in the group, in order to distribute the loot, would he have to switch the vacuum cleaner from suck to blow? Oh, I see the Spaceballs reference. But you're not supposed to actually mention the name. You're supposed to smile and laugh. You just lost the game. (laughs) In the game? (laughs) Do you you guys think the system would work for Blizzard? I mean, as a paladin, uh, before Cataclysm at least, I could sit there and... Actually, when I was out, uh, I was on Netherwing Ledge and Burning Crusade. I had somebody message me and ask me if it was okay if I um, killed all the flares, if they skinned all the flares I just killed. And they jokingly said they knew that the paladin was around when they saw a big circle with a hole in the middle of bodies. Because that was generally the paladin. That would be very helpful to just be able to, you know, AOE loot everything in that circle. Oh, I agree completely. Actually, uh, I. I played, I'm going to throw my old man card out there. I played Ultima Online starting back in 1997, something along those lines. Get off and, my own. <laughs> and uh, I used a, I guess, somewhat questionable add-on for WoW. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, I think it was called UO Helper, in fact, where you could, now in WoW, they actually, it, somewhat of a similar system to, um, to WoW, to, I'm sorry, in UO, to uh, Warcraft, where there was uh, things on the ground you could pick up, like uh, in WoW we have uh, blacksmith era minerals and herbs. In Ultima Online, mages, actually any spell you cast, there, was, there wasn't a set class, needed reagents, and those reagents were often found on the ground, and you could go and pick them up. There was no cast bar there's no time you just actually literally clicked it and dragged it to your bag one at a time 
what this add-on allowed you to do was to just walk around and it would literally just draw all of the reagents on the ground into your pack. And I absolutely love this thing because I would just run around harvesting all, all the time. Like if I was out, you know, doing killing, you know, mobs, killing ettins and ogres, whatever it was, I would just be picking up all these things off the ground. So the concept of having that AOE loot just makes me giddy inside because I, I miss that because single clicking every body I mean it, it does it takes forever it really does I have run friends and families low level alts through instances and something that's really fun to do is like okay well I'm here on my 80 you guys wait here and I go and I pull a whole group bring them all back and then they sit there and they loot those bodies and they loot yep and they loot and they loot and and they're still looting when I pull back the next group, including the next boss. Mm-hmm. Kill them right in front of them, and then I go and do it again. And AOE looting would – actually, it would keep that from happening, but they're already keeping that from happening because they've added tethering to so many bosses in the lower instances that you can't Heather. do that anymore. They just reset. Well, um, the, the first boss in Dead Mines, for example, uh, the, the big ogre guy. If you try to pull him out, he'll teleport back. He'll teleport away. You won't see him, and then he'll reset. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. But that's good for, uh, for wipes. I mean, as, as long as oh, yeah, you your healer makes it easier get far enough away. Right. Yeah, exactly. You can, you can protect yourself from wipe. No, no more of that. The, bo- the mob is going to follow you until you get to the front door, and if you, unless you get out in time, you're dead. But at the same time, actually, that uh, – I mean, I guess the argument could go both ways back to, the, you know, not having the fun of having the lower levels sit there and loot. That would discourage players necessarily from doing that, taking an 80 into or an 85 in this case into an instance with a low level, um, you know, because at that point it would be just as easy for everybody to just get together in a normal level appropriate group and be able to AOE loot and then you could just you know, run through it together instead of having the one max level character drawing all those packs back. Um, and essentially also, you know, killing their XP gains because it, I mean, it does, I, I don't know what the, the actual percentage is, but it does cripple the XP gains, correct? When there's a, a huge level disparity between the characters, yes. I believe I, I've really, I, I don't even think I've ever run with a, a, a high level character and in, in wow, I, I don't think I've even had the opportunity to do that. The XP gains go down, but at the same time, because you have such a high level helping you, the kills happen so fast that it's still a viable means of helping someone level. And at the same time, rep gains are not nerfed at all. Really? Oh, isn't that interesting? And I think the last time you did that, there was a group bonus, too, because there's like three of us or four of us in a group. Oh, so you got the the guild rep thing as well? Well, we got yeah. the bonus for being in a group. I remember that for sure. Well, I've yeah, the XP nice. bonus for being in a group, and it was a guild rung, so we got the extra rep from that. And even if you are level capped, you can go and run lower level instances. Any instance you can sow, you will still get rep for it. So if, if you're like in Outland, so that none of the instances you're at level for will give you any rep and you really wanted to get exalted with Gilneas for some strange reason um, because you wanted that mount. Oh, wait, never mind. Um, <laughs> you, you could still go and run through dead mines a bunch of times or stocks a bunch of times to help uh, build up your rep. I still think if you get exalted with 
Gilneas, you should get a Worgen to ride around on. That's just me. Blizz would never that, do that. I know, but... That would just raise so many <laughs> questions, and basically people would kind of be shaking their head, no. No. <laughs> Although Blizz did give a Worgen mount to Worgens in the beta, if I remember correctly. Because of that one yeah, glitch they had. The, yeah, the graphical glitch. Yeah. Where they were yeah. sitting, they, were, they would mount, they would mount on the shoulder of their exact uh, character. Oh yeah, just, so it, now I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, moving on to the next uh, next feature from other games that Blizzard should implement: implement public quests. And the way it's explained here, uh, public public quests involve an open area in which events take place that players participate in. Helping kill the boss and move the event through the to the through to completion, then are awarded gear bags depending upon the their amount of participation. Um, they, he says that in Rift, the 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 system was originally in Warhammer, but wasn't very good. In Rift, it's better, uh, where players fight evil creatures after rifts have opened from other dimensions. For instance, the first stage of the public quest might be to go kill twelve of a certain enemy. Stage 2 would involve shutting down some machinery, and Stage 3 would involve killing a boss monster. Players who enter the area are put into a public group automatically and help help each other to complete the objectives. When it's all over, you're disbanded and go on your merry way. That would have actually been kind of cool with the whole elemental invasion thing, to be honest. It makes events like that seem like all the more connected to your fellow man and whatnot. Absolutely, I agree. They would feel far less solitary and more, uh, yeah, more involved with the with the entire realm, essentially. But then again, they'd probably have to scale it to certain areas because, I mean, if you're, I mean, you wouldn't do it near like Stormwind, where you pretty much have people of every level in there. Because, I mean, what are you going to say to like a level one who just pretty much picked up a bag that's got like level eighty four stuff in it? Besides, level faster. <laughs> Well, in that you case, you tell them that them, as a level one. Sorry, you go. You go first. Uh, no, I was just going to say, uh, as a level one, you in that uh, regard, you tell them to stay out of Goldshire. But I was just making a bad ERP joke. So bad jokes. Are there Sorry, any ERP jokes that aren't bad? Do I have any jokes that aren't bad? No, they're all bad. They're not just bad. They're terrible bad. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, what were you going to say when I cut you off? I think Mentros was trying to talk earlier, and we just sort of, like, plowed over him. No, I was just trying to tell you to talk your spot, because you had said you had interrupted trying to say something, so. Uh, I was just wisecracking earlier, but something else is, I think in some ways Blizzard already has this, but it's very, very limited. For example, uh, you don't have to be in a group or raid or anything to go after Omen for the Lunar Festival. Quest. You, you all you got to do is get close enough to the dead body, and assumingly you helped out with that. Um, my character did not when he did it this time around, just because he was an incredibly low level and would have simply been bitten in half. Yeah, that is a good point because I think in in terms of omen, you just need to go into the. Um, isn't there a, a shaft of light that comes down? That you just have there's to get. some type of aura around the corpse, if I remember correctly. Right, and there's like a certain time period that it basically is there. You just need to get to it within a certain time period. I think that's how it works. I could be wrong, of course. Yeah, and you get a you get a buff or a debuff. I forget which that lasts for one hour, and you have to get back to the quest giver within that one hour. 
Right. Which is so hard because it's on the other side of Moonglade, after all. Not oh, if the people God. drag him into Moongl- into the into the town Nighthaven. Then it makes it well, really he's, easy. He's, Omen's tethered now, too, though. Oh. You can't do that either. I, I remember when I was uh, level... When he first came in, and I was max level at the time... Um, there was groups that would literally kite him all around the Moonglade until he was dead, finally. It was really funny. And it took a lot of people to kill him back then. Let me say this. I I have never played on a non-PvP server. Is Moonglade a a PvP zone? It's contested. It is a neutral zone. Yeah, contested. Neutral. Ah. Okay. So, I mean, put it to you this way. this, This past... I guess whatever a few weeks ago when I went to kill Omen, um, I it was myself and uh, I don't know maybe seventeen or eighteen horde, and I, got, you know, I flew in and I, you know, saluted and bowed and basically did everything I could to point to them that you know I just want to kill Omen with them, and for the most part they left me alone. But when Omen was down, they proceeded to just slaughter me and. You know, just I guess for the heck of it, because I came back resurrected and I just kind of waved at everybody, and they just left me alone at that point. But I just wasn't sure how that worked on a uh, non-PVP server because I wasn't I wasn't sure what type of zone it was. Yeah, I think it's I think it's contested, so okay, um, no PVP flagging, but um, you will have a lot of angry druids if you do. <laughs> you'd you'd hope anyway. So next up, dual targeting. Now, Stormy, you're a healer. Would you like to be able to do occasional damage to a, a uh, boss as well as also healing? Depending on how much damage is being done and people are taking, that depends. Well, see, the way dual targeting works is you have two targets. One is your friendly target and one is your enemy target. So that if you cast a healing spell, it goes to your friendly target. If you cast a damage spell, it goes to your enemy target. So you're essentially... You don't have to switch between one or the other. You can always visualize your friends and heal those that need, but also whenever you aren't healing somebody, you can also you know, get, get off a, a moon fire or something like that. So what you're saying is you would have a main target, but you would also have a focus that you set somehow. Okay, but <laughs> focus, it, the, the, the dual targeting, though, is actually that, – that comparison is actually made in the article – the difference is that focus is a lot more difficult to set than the dual targeting that they refer to from Warhammer. Essentially, the dual targeting in Warhammer was just you click. You click a button, you know, click your mouse on a friendly player, that's now your friendly target. You click an, click an enemy target, that's now your enemy target. It's not click and right click and then set them as a focus, and then if you want to change that, you got to do that all over again. It's very fast and very on, on the fly. Oh, yeah, it's focus setting a focus in well right now is very cumbersome it's it's much easier for me to type it out even with my atrocious spelling habits uh to type out who i want to be the focus rather than going through and clicking on the portraits so yeah if if they would incorporate that as someone who's spending more time tanking now than healing i would still love to have the ability to have more than one target yeah that would help me out so much yeah in, in the end this is just you know this, the, the article also suggests that perhaps there's a way they could um, also do it so that, say, a druid could have an ability that does both. 
it casts a heal on a healing target or on a friendly target, as well as a damage effect on a an enemy target. Like do a heal and do fairy fire, like something like that. Well, I mean, essentially just making it so that say you cast spell A, and this spell. On it, it has basically two different things that it does. It applies a debuff to the to the mob you're attacking, and it also applies a healing buff to your friendly target. It, In it, that regard, I've actually every time I cast Light of Dawn, I very much wish that it was doing damage to the enemies in front of me as well as healing, you know, my my uh, whatever comrades in the in the group in front of me as well. I mean, it, it's just something that I, I think that that is. Besides the, the the first one that that is brought up, um, that was the AOE looting. I think this one definitely has some really solid ideas of how it could work in World of Warcraft, and the possibility that it could actually work in World of Warcraft. There is the um, there is the idea, the possibility that it would actually be usable in WoW. I think. I agree completely. I mean, there's there's some aside from the you know using focuses. There is other ways somewhat of doing this, but it's you know cumbersome until you get used to it. I mean, for instance, like using um, mouse over macros for healing and, and grid, which is I, I, I only ever keep you know the boss or you know the, the main target enemy targeted, and then I have uh, grid with mouse over macros for healing the group. So in a sense, it's somewhat doing that, but there's definite applications for this dual targeting system that could work far better and. Honestly, and and take it out of the realm of just healers and and potentially uh, tanks. You know, you could do a lot as a DPS, as a purely a damage class, with having a dual target system. Yeah. Uh, the next one here, um, Vin- uh, sorry, epic quests that teach. I think they should bring these back because the ones that we have currently aren't that great. Like. The I think it's level twenty and level fifty. You have you have quests you can go to dungeons. I don't think those are overly helpful to players. What do you guys think? The only quests I've seen that even try like, since Cataclysm came out, the only that even try to teach you how to play your class are like before you get to level ten when you first go and talk to your class trainer. It's like okay, go and cast this one spell on this one target, or go over here and charge this enemy real quick, and okay, there you go, congratulations, you're a warrior or you're a priest, and you know everything you need to know now. You're not level 5 yet. And this is what leads to hunters having their pets on aggressive and wondering why the rest of the party's yelling at them in the instance. Yeah, I mean, the article goes into um, talking about the hunter and priest's uh, epic quests that got them their... uh I forget what the, the name was for the hunter weapon, but I know priests had uh, benediction, anathema. Rockdalar. Rockdalar. Okay, thank cool, you. Rockdalar. I would love to see something like that in pl- uh, for for each class, but you know, not you don't have to get to end level to have it. So I mean, you know, it points right here. The the way you got the the piece to start that quest was in molten core. Which, by the time you're raiding Molten Core, now obviously we're talking about Vanilla at this point, you should really know how to play your class at that point. You know, you would hope. So, you know, like, uh, like you were just saying, at level 5, you're just kind of thrown in with everything and expected to know it. I think they should have quests that, you know, span the entirety of your, your leveling career, basically, that continuously teach you 
how to do these things for every class. I know it would be incredibly difficult to code it into the game or to, to write it into the game, but that would be fantastic if along your journey through your levels you were on a set path, not so much a set path, but you had a quest along the way that would you know, teach you what the you know, quote-unquote hardcores know. Like it would give you a little bit more knowledge into things like you know, jump shots for hunters or um, I don't know, specific ways of gaining aggro as a, as a warrior tank, you know, things along those lines. You know, the actual intricacies, the ins and outs. And there's very, very good possibility for creating quests that would do that, that would show would players like this, how to actually. do this. Like, yeah, even if it idea. had like a pop on, even, even if it, it like had like a little message pop on the screen, like during the quest, like it's like sudden mom has suddenly seen you, feign death. I mean, if, 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 if anything, it gives more of a less of a dronish attempt of leveling a character and actually makes you feel more involved, more into the game, more immersed. Absolutely, and, the immersion and, level and, could be, and yeah. e- and even then, also learning what you might, what you might be learning on in through dungeoning or even raiding. I mean, helping with some of the basics like that. I mean, le- learning the basics even from the quest. I mean, you can, I mean, you could see lot, like a lot more raiders, a lot more people who do dungeons, go along with that. I mean, mm-hmm. although what there's a lot of potential. What they would have to do for these, though, is no matter what your class, there would have to be one part of that quest chain that sends you into Ashara. Well, Ashara isn't that bad as it will. Eh. I was going to say, Ashara isn't as bad as it used <laughs> to be, but eh. the Horde kind of I liked the way it looked before the goblins got in there. I, actually, I liked Ashara. There was nothing to do there, really. Yes, I, I feel the exact same way. The first time I saw it with the uh, the tracks all around it, I I I actually like choked back a little bit of tear. Like it was, I, I couldn't Ajara. believe that there were tracks running along it. Ajara was wonderful eye candy. Now it's just a big horde symbol. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. But then at the Pretty same much, time, you you know, the probably the main reason why Blizzard did take over a char like that and give it to the goblins was nobody went there even people who liked it weren't hanging out there there was okay well i'll go there and farm some blue dragons uh, it, it wasn't that interesting for most people i know i went there to go fish a lot well i if, think if you used elves sorry oh i was just gonna say in the terms of just a char i mean there in terms of questing and stuff like that there's not there's nothing that really pulled you much to that area it's just kind of an out of the way thing like oh, okay you want to you want to do some fishing or leather working or whatnot i mean no not a whole lot of storyline was in the old world but i mean it was good to do kind of like off on the side stuff yeah israel was is one zone that i was not overly sad to see go but i i mean back to the original topic i do truly wish that blizzard would implement something to really help players learn their class and learn new abilities as they go along because we do we do learn a lot of new abilities now that there's no ranks as we go through our our playing of the game. Yeah, the one thing I wanted to add to that too is with the um with the introduction of phasing. I mean, that's a technology that could be very useful in in doing exactly what we're talking about here and in, in laying out these quests because, you know, using phasing 
you could put players into a situation where they have no interaction with other players. They're, there's no means of kind of corrupting the experience, so to speak. And they would be able to, you know, learn these mechanics without needing to go into a dungeon per se with other players. They could do it on their own, uh, even with NPC help. I mean, it, you could get uh, basically a full group of NPCs together with every role handled just to basically teach you your role in a five-man at that point using the phasing technology. And at the end of it, you you would understand that if somebody had a particular class-specific achievement or a class-specific item, that that was somebody who knew their class, like the old level 60 epic quests, where if you saw someone with that item, you knew that they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Or at least they did before their class was totally redesigned in a, in a future patch. Yeah. Well, I mean... As an example of, of what I kind of was thinking is, uh, for example, let's look at um, Holy Power for Paladins. Once you, know, once you hit uh, the level where you can have Templar's Verdict and be using it efficiently, um, you know, have a, que- a question your Pally Trainer and say, apply th- a three-stack of, of Templar's Verdict on... Um, 10, mo- 10 enemies of your level. That way, it's really showing you, okay, this is how, how much you benefit from having three full stacks of holy power and applying it to a mob that's not nearly dead so that you're not wasting all that damage. Um, I think that'd be a really good way of doing that. What do you guys think? Like, that kind of a thing. Absolutely, I agree. Oh, I agree as well. Because, Definitely. honestly, I, I, if I played a paladin... If I played a paladin coming into Cataclysm from level one, um, I would be totally lost. Even more so if I hadn't played since Cat- since Burning Crusade or Vanilla, because the classes changed so much. At least, it's my point of view, anyway. It's one of no, the I reasons agree. why paladin is not my main anymore. It's my my first seventy, my my first sixty, my first seventy, my first eighty, all the same paladin, and I leveled holy, and I loved it. But the class has changed so much. It's not that I think Holy Paladins are bad. Far from it. I just did not want to have to relearn that class and spec again. So I totally changed. I figured if I'm going to have to learn everything new again, I might as well change classes. Mm-hmm. Just curious, uh, what did you change to? I first changed to a Hunter and got an 80 Hunter. Then I changed to Priest and now I'm leveling my second warrior to 80. Okay. I have ADD. Altaholism, uh, I guess you could say? Most definitely. <laughs> yes. Could you have guessed by the fact that his podcast is named I'd Rather Be Leveling? And then he has a level 80 warrior, but hasn't played it since Cataclysm. Not that I'm better because, or anything. Because my level 80 Janai warrior is all that in a bag of chips, but my leveling gnome warrior who is also an engineer is even more epic. You can re-roll your professions. You can race change. You already have I'm an 80. Teacher. Why level another one? Damn it. <laughs> I'm a teacher to race change requires money. <laughs> I would have to have a profession other than education. Yeah, I know. So Stormy, my, my dear friend Stormy, Yes. <laughs> Remember that run we did through Stormcore the other day? Yes, unfortunately. 
Well, guess what? Apparently, one of the factors that allows you to make those runs a little bit easier isn't in effect right now, so that run is probably a bit harder than it should have been on us. Aren't you happy? It wasn't all us. That's what I found out from my druid friend when I was talking to her. She's like, yeah, that fight's a pain in the butt. Just do what you can. Yeah. She's like, I know you're doing what you can. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, when you bring in a random player into your group, be it, as far as I know, any number of random people, you're supposed to get a 5% buff to healing damage and health. That's not being it, it, that's not being applied properly right now. So therefore, even if you have all five people as random additions to your group, you're still not you're still not going to get it, and it's still going to make the fight harder than it has to. But apparently, in the coming patch, which is is reported to be coming out this week on Monday, the buff is now going to be a five percent per random player, up to a maximum of fifteen percent. So. Essentially, you can have up to 15% buff to your, uh, to your health damage and to your healing. Uh, that should make those Stormcore runs a bit easier, I think. I would hope so. <laughs> what, I think that'll help with, with overall uh, dungeoning in uh, a lot of the Cataclysm dungeons, I'd, I would find. Well, I, I'm hoping that it'll actually make it so that, you, you know, yes, yeah, so we only had one random person in our group. Um, but it should hopefully still make it a little bit easier to be running those dungeons, uh, at least a little bit, I hope, anyway. It, 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 it begs the question of uh, all of the people who have been uh, QQing, as they say, about pugs being you know, broken or impossible, you can't pug in Cataclysm anymore, you know, Blizzard fix this type of thing. It, it begs the question of how those people will react now if they find out that you know perhaps that five percent would have been what made the pug successful, or if this will just be you know, almost fuel for the fire, saying uh, you know because of luck of the draw being broken, that's why pugs are so hard. Well, I mean, Blizzard did acknowledge that that is broken. They are still like they were all. The, the intention was always to change it so that to the new to the new system five percent per uh, per. Pug member of the group uh, up to five up to th three people so for a total of fifteen percent that plan didn't change when they found out that current luck of the draw is broken um, so I think that that will assuage a little bit of the uh, frustrations of players so they're not quite as angry as they could be over the fact that it's not working like it should I think it's actually a great way to balance balance it really because you know when if you get to the fifteen percent that means there's only possibility of having two, you know, two players who went in together. So at that point, you're not getting the um, the guild rep rewards. So basically, what I'm getting at is essentially you have the the five mans with more, you know, uh, the majority being uh, guild members invent together. They obviously have an advantage over a full group of players not communicating via voice chat. So this. I mean, in my mind, pretty much balances it at that point because you're getting that 15, you know, possible 15% buff, which will overcome the fact that there's a severe lack of communication at that point. So, I mean, obviously there's going to be, I don't know, somebody's going to find a way to complain about it, but I think that really pretty much evens the playing field, I would say, between true, a, true. a pure pug group and a pure guild run in terms of you know, communication versus uh, stat uh, increases. 
you were assisting there, Chris Platt? Um, my point's already been made. Okay. Uh, Breha Priest in the chat room is saying, going back to the gradual ICC buff, people who could not do it before still struggled with the buff. I think this will help but not overcome those who stand in fire. And I don't think it's intended to overcome the idiot in fire syndrome. It's, it's trying to make up for the fact that a guild run or a group that is all five people who are from the same realm or, or know each other, they're going to be more coordinated. They're going to have mumble or vent. They're going to have some knowledge and some play, you know, they're going to be familiar with each other in their play style. The idiot in fire is a problem that, yes, it comes generally from pugs, but it's, this isn't to overcome that. It's to overcome the unfamiliarity of the group. You don't know your tank. The tank doesn't know the healer. Nobody knows each other or only a couple people know each other. And this will kind of, the plan is at least to overcome that barrier, not the idiot and fire syndrome. Yeah. Yes, I'm pointing that term, idiot and fire syndrome. Just, just, just you know. Luck of the draw is not to take care of the idiot in standing in the fire. It, that's kick player from group is to take care of the idiot standing in the fire. Agreed. And this basically just covers the the uh, you know the player that maybe is maybe qualified gear wise you know by the raw numbers in the game, but perhaps needs a little bit of a little bit of a boost and just to cover you know possibly the gear's not as good as it should be, even though it, it reaches the minimum eye level, but also. It, again, covers the fact that the lack of communication, it will give them abuse that could level that out. In my mind, at least, that's what I see. You know, a healer getting a 15% boost helps in the fact that he has no idea who the tank is. He's not able to talk to the tank. You know, he's not able to tell the tank, you know, different things. The tank's not allowed to commu- able to communicate with him. So that just, uh, in my mind, that, that really covers that, that ground. Yeah. Um... So let's move on here. Um, here's here's a story that I have to say when I first saw it, I was incredibly, incredibly confused. There's an article that was posted on Wow Insider. Uh, let's see here. As soon as it loads up properly, it's uh, in in defense of gear uh, simulations. It's uh, it's okay. Has anybody ever heard the term Jasimit? Like, I've never heard of gear simulation before. Ever. Is this a regular thing the ch- or what? <laughs> well, I've never heard, I've the, heard of the, the phrasing Jasimit. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Yeah, same thing. That's what I've heard. You know, use the spreadsheets. Okay, so it's just inputting in the spreadsheet how much this is going to do with my current spec? Like, I, I'm i baffled much. by this term, honestly. It's, it's mostly I mean, a DPS thing. Uh, I mean, I think there are like healing, or uh, I don't know, I don't even know, but you know, I, I played a rogue all throughout uh, Wrath, and I mean, that's uh, spreadsheets in the rogue community. I mean, it's just that's the answer pretty much for everything. I mean, if you ask a question on elitist jerks all throughout Wrath of you know, will this increase my DPS? Will will this decrease my DPS? The universal answer was uh, use a spreadsheet. You know, it, it, there was almost a, a you know the uh, RTFM thing for for tech guys. It was something along those lines for uh, using the the spreadsheets. 
what you do is you basically set up your character. You put in all the aspects, your race, um, class, obviously, your gear level, uh, enchants. You can go down to the nitty-gritty of who else is in your group with you, buffs, debuffs, level of the boss, type, you know, to mob type of the boss, and it will run through a simulation of what your DPS will be over the course of that fight, even down to what rotation you should use. Um, yeah, a lot of different factors. I don't know. Any spreadsheet that doesn't ask me what kind of non-combat pet I have out isn't asking for <laughs> enough information to give me a truly accurate representation. This is true. I agree. Yeah, if you, um, it, I don't know if any of you ever played Rogues, but uh, you know, in Wrath, they they named a lot of the, there. There was a piece of gear named for members of the community uh, for each of the the classes gear set uh, for the Rogues. The gloves, the Aldriana's uh, gloves. That was named for Adriana, who was one of the most pivotal uh, rogue spreadsheet cre uh, creators in, in, in all of rogue theory crafting. And she had literally the go-to spreadsheet for, uh, for years that pretty much everybody used. There were, other, there were other ones out there, but that was the universally known one to, to use for, for all levels of gearing. Hmm. So, sorry, I actually I didn't read, I didn't read the, um, the article. Uh, so I'm I'm just kind of skimming through it now to see what their uh, what their point is. I guess the, I guess you know you could explain it further, Medris, if if you read it through more. But they're talking about the the RNG um, changes to a lot of the the skills, and it's I guess just again just skimming over it, how it's basically making it very difficult to run the DPS simulations. Am I reading that correctly? It it. It, that, I believe that's pretty much the summary right there. Um, okay. You know, trying to, to figure out the mix of RNG with actual raw data that you can actually apply to your character. Yeah, I mean, it, again, I don't know if, if any of you have used these spreadsheets before. And, and this, honestly, this goes, if you've used uh, RAR, it goes even further than that. I mean, there there are, and I, I don't know about the other, the class communities, but like I said, I was very involved in, in, rogue theory crafting and whatnot during wrath and they went down to the nittiest grittiest detail of uh modifiers and and uh percentages and i mean it it it, it was almost a full-time job just paying attention to the current theory crafting uh, to get the absolute max maximum amount of dps you needed to you know, basically run these sheets every single time you picked up a piece of gear every time there was a hot fix and they accounted for everything, but there wasn't a lot of RNG. And in fact, there was a lot of gear in Ice Ground Citadel that was kind of pushed to the wayside as far as being optimal because of the RNG involved in the procs. Um, one, I'm trying to remember the name of the dagger. I even had it equipped. I still might even have it equipped on my Rogue. I haven't really played them since ICDC. It was one that had a, a very random proc. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it, it basically was kind of pushed to the side as a valuable piece of gear for rogues by the community because they simply could not spreadsheet it. It, it wasn't calc uh, calculatable, is that the correct word, as to um, what you could expect as your DPS from it. And rogues just didn't like it. They said basically, you know, use it if it's the best one you have, but if you have an option, you know, even if it's a lower eye level, use that because you're guaranteed. It's, it's by the numbers. There's no RNG involved. So I can see why... Um, 
I can see why the theory crafting community would be incredibly up in arms over over this uh you know the random the as they say the random number generating woes that they're that they're quoting. I know that actually the theory crafting community as a whole was pretty up in arms uh just before cataclysm because of the change to the stats when they simplified the stats and and reduced the amount of stats being used because that was a big part of theory crafting as well was the mixing of uh the different stat allocations. Sorry, I'm talking a lot, but this just happened to be something I, I actually blogged about this exact topic constantly throughout Wrath, and uh, it was pretty much part of my daily rating life was uh, going over these spreadsheets back when I played a, a DPS class. It makes total sense, uh, especially with you got to think about, okay, well, do I want the chance to do even better, but if lady rng doesn't like me then i'm actually going to do worse or do i want an ability that's always on and you if it's always on then you can predict exactly what it's going to do if you're hitting all your keys at the right time but for something where it's a proc well when's that number going to come up when am i going to win the lottery and be top dps this time but bottom dps the next time absolutely and that's a big part of it um actually one of the things it just uh the trinket that you made me think of it was a tiny abomination in a jar. That was something that dropped in ICC. And that was a big topic of dispute with rogues because of the fact that they were having a very difficult time simulating the internal cooldown on it and the exact, uh, the, the, the internal cooldown between procs. But then there was also the internal cooldown and the proc chance. Uh, they, were, they were having a very hard, difficult time getting the proc chance down as to when it would trigger the next stack of the proc. And for a long time, again, the same thing with that dagger I mentioned. I, I wish I could remember the name of it. It was advised to not use the trinket, even though it was it later in Wrath, after it was able to be simula uh, simulated and put into the spreadsheet, it was you know one of the most uh, sought-after trinkets for rogues. And up until that point, they they said you know if you have it you know that's fine if there's nothing else you can use and use that but again I'm I, I I'm drowning on about rogues but I I never played any other class in Wrath you know they wanted to know to the number to the decimal point what their DPS was going to be because as a rogue you went after the DPS number the simulation gave you the spreadsheet gave you if you were if you were within you know, two to five percent of that number, you knew you were doing good. You could attribute that to latency and lag. Um, if you were further away from that number, you were doing something wrong and you need to tighten up your game. You need to pay attention to your procs. You need to get another add-on that showed, you know, the, the timing on your deadly poison stack, uh, your Envenom buff, things along those lines. And that was just in ingrained into the rogue mindset, the, you know, the hardcore rating rogue mindset. And so this, I mean, at uh, I'm sure that the RNG argument is is not going over well in that hardcore theory crafting rating environment. <laughs> that's uh, that's well my new played. indication for we're going to go into our last story. Sorry a, about that. A, a, a new creation of mine. Let's put it that way. Um, our locker old. <laughs> uh, the uh, the last story I want to talk about is one that I'm pretty passionate about. To be honest, um, a uh, a player named Tyrion posted on the forums questioning Blizzard about why they made the, the questing um, so linear in Cataclysm. He says that uh, basically you can't skip any quests because if you do, you can't go on to any further quests in the zone. 
and it's very it's one basically one every zone is one big linear story and um he says that it it eliminates the immersion and feeling that our characters can make a difference when you can't control your own uh, your your own um uh your your own story i guess and uh Lilira in the forums did come back with their response i i want to first get your take though guys um and stormy of course what do you guys think is the balance blizzard has to take i mean i love the story i loved hygel i loved vashir i loved deep home i loved oldham well I liked all of them. Um, but <laughs> and I love Twilight Highlands, except for the phasing of my mining area. And I, I mean, I, again, I love the story. So what do you guys think is the, the medium blizzard can try and work into that so that they can both tell a great story, but not make people feel like they have no control over the path that their character is taking? That's a difficult question to answer, honestly. I mean, at that point, you're almost asking them to create the quest lines as like a choose-your-own-adventure book. They could do it, though, especially with phasing technology. Uh, the, the way things are now, you, you could set up so that, okay, well, you've got, you can choose path A or path B or path C or however many paths you take. Each of those will lead to this particular zone being phased in a different way. And every time you go there, then you will only see players that chose that particular route. And I could mm. totally see Blizzard doing that. That's actually kind of in need of a way, because I mean, pretty much before Cataclysm, we're, we're usually kind of stuck on the side. It's like, okay, for like certain faction here in Outland, you can choose one or the other. This gives you this, this gives you this. And. I mean, you have quests related to it. I mean, but it's nothing horribly phased. But something like fa something doing like that and having it phased would be kind of cool. I don't know how it would go in types of immersion for those uh, people who like to RP and whatnot. Because you've got two different kind of what ifs happening, and it just makes the timeline more uh, wibbly wobbly. And that would be the problem. If you look at, um, for the, the old school among us, those of us who played things like Warcraft 1 and Warcraft 2, if you played the orcs and you went through all the levels, then the orcs won. If you played the humans and you went through all the levels, then the humans won. And with the expansion pack that they added to Warcraft 2, they decided, okay, we're going to decide, oh, by the way, this side won over that side. No matter which side you were playing, this is the continuity for that. And Blizzard started getting more and more away from the you are affecting the outcome of the game and going into the, hey, let's follow down this wonderful little yellow brick road and you will see these wonderful sights. And at the end, you will go to exactly where we wanted you to go. Um, with phasing, they have the ability to make those changes. The issue with RP, people who RP will have to either RP in zones where this phasing has not taken place. I, I don't think Blizzard, assuming they implement this, their choice, of course, whether or not they do, uh, they have to RP together in zones where this didn't happen or RP with people who had made the same decisions. But then, excellent point, 
time gets wibbly wobbly, we'd have to have the bronze dragon fight coming in and saying, okay, well, what's going on here? We've got like 15 different ways things turned out. And I'm just rambling. So would, would going with the choose your own adventure really be controlling your own story or would Blizzard still be leading you down the same path? The result would still be the same. It'd be a little bit of both. I, I think if, if Blizzard implemented this, they would not have the choose your own adventure part be part of the main storyline. Like if they had implemented this in Wrath, Arthas would be dead at the end of Wrath, no matter what choices you made. That 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 was the culminating event in Wrath, killing Arthas. Um, but what happened with the Frostborn Dwarves? What happened with the the Vicarol? What happened with the Tuscar? Those are areas where you could have theoretically a choose your own adventure thing, and the outcome would be totally based on the choices you made without affecting the overall plot of the world so far as Blizzard sees it. Okay. Personally, I like the, the questioning they've done. Um, but as I mentioned, I do love the story very much. I have no problem with Blizzard continuing on telling their stories and Blizzard has worked the quests and and done the story that we are led through very, very well, I think and have made sure that our characters are given the impression and the the feeling that they are the hero in the story, not just some guy that's helping out, um, as we've had in other experiences. Um, the Draenei experience... Except in Oldham. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, Oldham except in Oldham. Oldham is a big movie parody. That's all it is. Let, let's get that out of the way right now. Oldham is the exception. It is... They're instead of taking us through a story, they're taking us through a movie, including many, many scenes. Well, yeah, and th- this is actually this is very apt for this discussion because this is taking it to the extreme of okay, you are the band of adventurers that's going through and doing all these epic things to okay, try to stay out of Harrison Jones's way, yeah. All right. Well, that is uh, going to be about it for this episode. Uh, let me uh, let me go around the around the horn here and see. First off, Roland Dune, how can people find you? They can find me at uh, Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Roland Dune. And uh, they can always find me hanging out on Twisted Nether. I uh, record a podcast segment for TMB, Twisted Nether Podcast. And I also have uh, my own podcast on there, along with four other wonderful co-hosts called The Overlords. Three of which have already been on this Group Quest podcast. Yes, that is true. We need to get the, four, the other on. And your producer has been on last week as well. And it is produced by none other than Fimless. Yes, now, wonderful guy. I, I do have to ask you a question. I'm a bit confused by this. Twisted Nether Network. Yes. Fimless says that was your idea. Is, is, that, is it actually a network? Like. <laughs> I'm curious how the how this came to pass and why nobody wants to take a, take a responsibility for it. Uh, I'll take responsibility for the coining of the phrase, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I basically uh, I, I made the the comment, uh, I guess, in the uh, closing of the show that it's on the Twisted Nether Network because Fimless uh, agreed to produce the show. He he records it, produces it, and actually puts it out uh, over the Twisted Nether feed, uh, hosts it on the Twisted Nether 
um, site as well. So I thought it only appropriate to consider a Twisted Nether production. And since it's a second show, it therefore becomes a network in my mind. So that's why I coined the, the term. He, of course, thinks it's hilarious that I said that. <laughs> well, um, he doesn't quite have as many shows as the Downforge Network that Group Quest is part of, but uh, I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll work on that right away. I'm and, sure. Yes. And anybody I'll, else I'll looking for a Wow show, I'm sure I'll send them his way because we have enough Wow shows, I think, at this time. But we'll see. <laughs> um, and Corendos, how can people find you? Uh, easiest way to find me is. Uh, Corendos in Twitter. Uh, I have a blog that I really don't update, so I probably won't give much of the URL for that. But uh, mostly I'm pretty much there on Twitter for pretty much anything, really. All right. And Miss Stormy, how can people find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter at Stormy Nights, S T O R M I N I G T S. Um, I have a Tumblr page, which is also stormynights.tumblr.com. And also, well, me and Chris Black both do a podcast together. And I'll let him be... say that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll move, I'll move on to Chris Black then. Uh, Chris Black, give me the elevator pitch for why I should play Minecraft. Punching I... sheep in the face. <laughs> Apparently, Chris Black's not with us at this time. Unmute. <laughs> uh, anyone who's ever played with Legos and loved it, and I'm not talking about like the Bionicle levels or the, the Star Wars Legos where, look, you can make this model, and play with just the basic Legos and build awesome stuff out of it, will love playing Minecraft. That's essentially what it is, playing with Legos in a 3D world. All right. Or, or, one, or one little way I like to look at it. Punch cows in the face to get steak. <laughs> you also yeah, but you don't Corindos? get steak from the cows. I have friends who play. I don't actually have it myself, but um, I, I know a lot of people who do. <laughs> okay. So, Chris Blatt, how can people find you? And please do advise us of your show again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, pretty much everything I'm involved in online you can get to from one web address. It's myguildhome.com. And you will find links to my Twitter, Stormy's Twitter, our blogs, and our podcast, which is called I'd Rather Be Leveling, where Stormy and I just sit down and talk about what we've been doing in Minecraft, in Warcraft. We talk a little bit about news, and we read short fiction by ourselves and by submitters. All right. Those are called Drabbles. Yes, 100-word stories, which are known as Drabbles. All right. And uh, I think that'll be about it for this episode of the Group Quest podcast. Once again, I want to thank our sponsor, that is Doghouse Systems. They're a maker of great computers. I want, you, I want you to check them out. And, of course, use the code Azeroth to get a $25 Jinx code. And maybe you can get the Internet Dragon t-shirt that uh, my co-host over at the, uh, at the All Things Azeroth podcast is so jealous of because she wanted to do that design herself. But we'll be back next week. It'll actually be on a Sunday next week, the 13th of February. So we'll, be, we'll see you. Do check the Dawn Forge website where, where uh, the time will be confirmed late in the week, probably Thursday or Friday. And we'll see you back here for another Group Quest podcast. So take care, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Group Quest. This is your announcer, David Grizzly-Smith. 
We look forward to your comments at our website, thegroupquest.com. Theme music for the show is Intended Force from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. This program is copyright 2009 through 2011 by Don Forge Productions and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. This has been a Dawn Forge production, copyright 2011. Find great podcasts and more at thedawnforge.com. <laughs>